Happy Easter. Welcome to Two Rivers. It is a joy, amen, to be together in this house. I am so thankful. I got to tell you, I, um, uh, I don't know that there's a greater privilege as a pastor than to stand up on Resurrection Sunday and talk about the truth that Jesus is alive and that he is the Lord and that he saves and that we have life in his name. And I'm just so pleased, um, so blessed, so, so grateful, so humbled to get to uh, spend these moments uh, with you in the word this morning. I wanna start with a quote this morning by um, uh, John Stott. He, uh, author, pastor, scholar, he lives with the Lord in glory. I saw this quote this week and I just wanted to start here this morning. Uh, because we, um, before we can begin to see the cross, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, certainly it is something done for us by Jesus. He died, he came, and he died in our place. But before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. And when we start there, it's done by us, and we move to it's done for us, it helps us understand, oh, that's why grace is amazing. That's why grace is so amazing, because when we realize that it was done for us, and it will never be done to us, because Jesus paid the price for us in our place, we are left just to receive the blessing and the glory of all that God has done for us in Christ. Grace is amazing. Where would we be without the grace of the cross? Where would we be without the cross of Jesus of Nazareth? We would be held captive. Uh, we would be hopeless. We would be lost. The good news of Jesus, what I proclaim to you today is the good news of Jesus. It breaks chains that divide people it breaks the chains that puts us in categories and distinctions and moves us away from one another. It breaks the selfish and the prideful ways, the selfish and prideful chains that divide us. Even in this house uh, today, the gospel of Jesus breaks personal chains, personal places of bondage, personal realities of pain, personal realities of hardship in our lives. Jesus breaks chains, church, and he sets us free. Amen on that. Can I get moving here this morning? Any, any movement from you this morning would help me out. There's a story. There's a story of a Roman soldier. It's in Acts chapter 10. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10 this morning. You can turn there now if you'd like to uh, go ahead and get there. It's a Roman soldier. His name is Cornelius. He was what was known as a Roman centurion, which meant that he had command of over a hundred men uh, below him. Um, Cornelius uh, was what was known as a Gentile. And the reality of the distinction between Jews and Gentiles in this day and age was pretty distinct uh, because God's chosen people for generations and centuries was the Jewish people. Cornelius wasn't a Jew, he was a Gentile. He was God-fearing, he was God-fearing. We read about that in action. He, he was leaning in, he was hungry, he wanted to understand and learn, but he didn't know the story of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. He was a Gentile. He had this at the beginning of Acts chapter 10. Uh, God sent this supernatural encounter. It was a, an angel that came to Cornelius. 
And what the angel told Cornelius, this Roman soldier, was this, send some of your men to go find Peter. And Peter has a message from God for you. Meanwhile, while Cornelius in a city of Joppa, it's on the western shore of Israel, right on the Mediterranean Sea, while that's happening, all this narrative is at the beginning of Acts chapter 10, 31 miles to the north in a Mediterranean uh, town, um, a coastal town called Caesarea, Peter was there. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, one of the One of the proclaimers saw Jesus with his own eyes in the upper room, spent time with Jesus, ate and drank with Jesus 50 days before Jesus ascended to heaven, was there in the beginning of Acts chapter one when Jesus gave the command to the disciples to be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Peter was in Caesarea. He was getting a download as well, supernatural angelic download as well at the same time. You see, Peter uh, grew up Jewish and uh, Jewish people had um, bias. They had prejudice against Gentiles, especially Roman Gentiles who were oppressing the Jewish people. People that grew up Jewish and people that grew up Gentile didn't really like each other. They were divided from one, from one another. Peter needed another radical message from God to release him from his prejudices against the Gentile people, which causes me to pause a little bit and recognize what took Peter so long. I, I was studying this this week. Um, most scholars believe that Acts chapter 10, the story that we're gonna be in today, happened somewhere between six years all the way up to 15 years after the ascension of Jesus in Acts chapter one. Most people land in the eight to 10 years. The reality of this story is that Peter was still operating with prejudice against the Gentile people eight or so years after the ascension, which causes me to ask the question, what took him so long? What took, like, when did Peter, when was he finally going to get it? I I would think, you know, at the beginning of his calling to be a disciple, Jesus said, um, cast the net on the other side and they catch all this miraculous catch of fish. And then Jesus tells Peter, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. Like that, what an amazing moment that must have been. What about when Peter stepped out of the boat and started walking on water when he had his eyes on Jesus? What an amazing moment that must have been of the supernatural power of Jesus. You think he would get it in that moment. What about when Peter called Jesus Lord and the Lord affirmed him? Or when Peter Um, was hearing Jesus talk about the truth that he would die for the sins of the people of the world as the Messiah. And Peter pulls him aside and rebuked Jesus. And Jesus made this famous statement to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You do not have the things of God, but the things of the world in your mind. What about when Peter went to the tomb? What about when the tomb was empty? What about when Peter was in the upper room and Jesus in his resurrected body showed up? What about at the ascension in Acts chapter one? How long would it take for Peter to understand the radical inclusivity of Jesus includes the message to everyone? It was eight to 10 years after Peter in Caesarea gets a download from heaven. He needed to have his mind open to the radical message of Jesus again. 
Three of Cornelius' men, they go to find Peter again in Joppa. Probably took them a couple of days to get down there from Caesarea, 31 miles. They get Peter, he goes at once and they go another two days or so, which is a pretty good clip. I'm a hiker, 15 miles in a day is a pretty good little clip. I mean, these guys are moving, you know? And so he gets, it took four days for Peter to get back up to Caesarea where Cornelius was. And in that four day window, uh, Cornelius gets all of his family together and all of his close friends. And he tells him the story about the angel that came to him. And there's this guy, Peter. I don't know who Peter is, but this angel from heaven said, go find Peter. And so I sent three men to find Peter and we're just gonna wait for Peter to get here because he has a message from God for us. And they're all there and they're waiting. Can you, can you get into the scene? Can you imagine the anticipation that they were feeling as they waited for this person named Peter to come and give them this message from God. I wanna start reading the story, uh, verse 23 to, um, 25 to 33. I'll pick the story up when Peter shows up in Caesarea at the home of Cornelius. Uh, verse 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. And talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or even visit him. This next phrase is huge. But God has shown me. Peter was finally understanding the radical invitation of Jesus in the gospel. God has, has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shiny clothes stood before me and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. And so I sent for you immediately and it was good for you to come. Now, Peter, we are all here. We are all right here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So I wanna set the scene, that space, that house, that day, Peter, who's finally getting it, and Cornelius, who was hungry for truth, but didn't know the story of Jesus and the resurrection and the cross, they didn't know anything about that and they're leaning in and they had been waiting. And verse 34 begins what Peter shares. The very next verse is the beginning of the testimony and the proclamation of the good news. It's the best news you'll ever hear. But I'm nervous, I'm nervous that some of us in this room have heard it so many times that it won't overwhelm you with wonder and gratitude and joy. I'm wondering if coming to an Easter service has become something that we do instead of something supernatural to encounter. And perhaps 
perhaps you need to be awakened today out of a spiritual slumber. Perhaps uh, your dry bones need to be rattled a little bit and come back to life. Here's what I believe. God is moving in a fresh way right here, right now, right in our midst. And I don't want any of us to miss the supernatural presence of God, proclaiming the supernatural message of God that you have been redeemed and restored in Jesus by his blood and by his resurrection. So I pray that as we listen to Peter's testimony in the presence of God, that we would lean in to listen to everything, everything that the Lord commanded Peter to tell Cornelius and his family and friends and to tell us this morning. First, first couple of verses, I'm gonna read Peter's sermon, basically his testimony uh, in, in parts, uh, verse 34 and 35. Peter begins to tell the story. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I now realize. I think the story of Peter should encourage us. A follower of Jesus in process and God giving him revelation upon revelation upon revelation. I now realize, Peter says, that God does not show favoritism. But he accepts, God accepts men, mankind, men, women, children, everyone, but accepts men from every nation. The chains that divide us, Jesus obliterates from every nation who fear him, who, who revere him, who trust him, who believe in Jesus from every nation who fear him and do what is right, who believe in Jesus, who call him Lord and follow him. First point of Peter's message that I wanna point out to you this morning is this, because of the gospel of Jesus, you are fully accepted by God, period. From every nation, everyone from every nation who believes in Jesus and follows Jesus, calls him Lord, fully accepted. The good news of Jesus breaks the old ways that divide people. Let's think for a minute about what it might be like for us, for you in your life and me in my life and us in our life together as a church. What would it be like if God did show favoritism? Have you ever considered that before? What if God showed favoritism to people. Acceptance would only be for some. And you better make sure that you're part of the sum. So much pressure that we would feel to outperform one another. Always competing with each other to make sure we're one of God's favorites, but never really at rest because what if somebody's doing more and bumps me out at the end? So much striving to be enough, but always fearful. I'm just not quite doing enough. So much unrest and feelings that maybe that last mistake that you made means that finally you are just too far gone for God to accept you. 
You see, what I'm proclaiming to you today in the gospel is this, that God shows favoritism is the lie of the enemy who wants to take us away from our freedom and our rest and our security in the gospel. And the truth this morning is this, what Peter has proclaimed, acceptance, acceptance is the truth because of Jesus. There is no favoritism with God. He accepts everyone who believes, receives, and follows him. This is what freedom is. This is how we tangibly taste freedom in our lives. Not just sing songs about freedom, not just talk about freedom with each other, not just show up at church here and read words and sing about freedom, but actually literally be transformed and taste the blessing of the abundant life of freedom that Jesus came to give us. We literally knowing that we are accepted by God in Jesus, we can be liberated and freed church from favoritism and pressure and striving and categories. This is what we have been released from. Freedom from fear and shame. Fully forgiven, fully accepted, fully free. God is for us. He is not against us. He has made a way for all from every tribe, every nation to enter in. Let me personalize this for you. God is for you. God is for you. God welcomes you. God loves you. God is chasing after you. God is not afraid of you. God is not running from you. He is running to you. Are you with me, church? You are accepted. You are accepted. Acts 10, 36, Peter goes on, you know, he's talking to Cornelius, the Gentiles, Peter, you guys, Peter is talking to Gentiles. He's talking to Gentiles. He is, the revelation of grace in this is remarkable. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel. He's speaking about himself, telling the good news of peace through Jesus, who is Lord of all. All. He says that phrase, who is Lord of all. The gospel is breaking the distinction between the Old Testament Jewish people and the New Testament church of Jesus that includes every single person. There is no favoritism. God is inviting all people to come. And he says in verse 36, the good news of peace. This is a really important a word to grab onto in this passage because it's so centered in an Old Testament Jewish way of thinking about their relationship with God. And he's extending this reality of shalom, of peace to Cornelius and these, and this, this family, his friends. It's a radical moment for Peter to be speaking these things out loud for the first time, for the first time. You see, peace, the shalom of God, was the content of God's basic promise to the Jews in the Old Covenant. And by describing Jesus as the Lord of all, Peter extends this blessing of peace now to the Gentiles as well. To the peace of God, the shalom of God is for everyone. It's for me, it's for you. Because of the gospel of Jesus, you have peace. It was to Cornelius and to his family, it's to me and to my family and the peace of God, the shalom of God has been given to you and to your family. 
What do the scriptures say about the peace of Christ? Ephesians 2 says this, Paul says that Jesus himself is our peace. Paul says in a letter that he wrote to the Philippian church that the, the peace that we have in Jesus, that peace passes all, tell me someone know this, all understanding. And that that peace, that supernatural shalom of God guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, guards our hearts and minds from what? From the onslaught of the lies of the enemy who wants to take you out of the game. He wants to make you feel insecure. He wants you to believe wrongly that you can lose your salvation when you cannot. He wants you to feel um, at unrest. He wants you to strive. He wants you to believe that God shows favoritism and he does not. And so the peace of God guards our hearts and minds against the onslaught of the lies of the enemy. The, the, the peace of Christ guards our hearts and minds when we feel, when we feel hopeless because the circumstances of our life are hard and tragic. When the reality of our life, there's more lament than I feel hope and there's more sorrow than I feel Joy, the peace of Christ can guard our minds and our hearts in those moments because we know that the peace of Christ is in us. It's not a peaceful, easy feeling that I gotta go get. This is not an Eagles song that we can sing. And this is the reality of shalom that lives in us by the, by the Holy Spirit. And it guards us. Here's what it's like to know that the peace of Christ will guard you. The psalmist in Psalm 43, five says, why am I so sad? The reality of life, sometimes we feel so, we feel sad. We are, we are in a low place. We are in the valley of the shadow and it is not easy. And I've been there and you've been there and we've been there. The psalmist says, why am I so sad? Why am I so troubled? Here's the peace of Christ guarding a heart and mind. In the moment, I will put my hope in God. And once again, I will praise him, my savior and my God. Because of the gospel of Jesus, we have peace. Peter goes on in his sermon the next Two verses, 37 and 38, he says, you know what has happened throughout Judea. Judea was the region around Jerusalem, the city, the great city of Jerusalem. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, another region of Israel, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how Jesus went around doing good and healing all. The anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, who were under the lies and the blindness of the devil because God was with him. Jesus healing all. Because of the gospel of Jesus, you are healed. You are. You are healed. Famous Easter verse, Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah proclaims this about the coming Messiah, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed 
for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace. Because of the gospel of Jesus, we have peace. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are, tell me, we are healed. We are healed. Where would we be? Where would we be without the cross? By the wounds of Jesus, we are healed. We are reconciled to God and we are reconciled in fellowship with one another. We belong to Jesus and we belong to his church and we belong to his mission. We have peace and hope and healing in our hearts no matter what circumstances may come our way. You're still leaning in this morning? I guarantee you Cornelius and his family and his friends, they were right there with, tell us more, there's more. And I'm here to tell you today, there's more. There's more good news to share with you from this testimony of Peter. 39 to verse 43, Peter continues in the house of Cornelius. Cornelius, you guys, was a Gentile. Peter finally understood. He says, we are witnesses of everything that Jesus did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him up from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us. He's saying to them, by me, by us, by me, I saw him after he raised from the dead. And then he tells Cornelius and everyone that... Uh, that was there that day by us. We ate and we drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets, all the prophets testify to the, to the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Because of the gospel of Jesus, you are forgiven. Not just kind of forgiven, not just a little bit forgiven, not just forgiven until you really blow it the next time, you are forgiven. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, guess what it meant? It meant it is finished. And none of us were even born yet. So everything that had been proclaimed forgiven, future was on us. And so the reality today is this, because of the gospel of Jesus, you are forgiven, totally, radically forgiven. Amen, anybody, anybody? You are forgiven, you are free. You are not meant to carry around guilt and shame for the rest of your life. You're meant to leave it at the cross and walk away forgiven and free, a son and a daughter of the Most High King. Peter commanded by Jesus the Lord to go and preach this message to Cornelius and his family and friends to preach and to testify. There's a, there's a distinction between preaching and testify. To testify is to bear witness about my own personal story of what I have experienced in my life. And that's what Peter, that's what his testimony is. 
at Cornelius' house, something that a person has experienced. Peter says, I ate with him and drank with Jesus after he rose from the dead. I saw him with my own eyes. This message, Peter says, has transformed my life. The distinctions that I used to believe, the prejudice the prejudices and the biases that I used to feel, God has opened my eyes. He has healed me to see that everyone is invited home to the Father. The angel told Cornelius in his initial dream before Peter came this message. The angel said, Peter will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. And then Peter comes and he proclaims the message that we just read. And he shared his testimony with passion and he left the results up to the Holy Spirit. Verse 44 was the result of that day. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Every single person, salvation, redemption, forgiveness, hope, joy, rest, healing, abundance, liberation. Now they heard the message, believed the message. The Holy Spirit fell on the entire household. What about me? What about you? What about us? I pray that you are hearing it this morning. More importantly, I pray that you are believing it. I bring you my own testimony today. I'm here testifying to you that I believe with everything that I am that the message that I just proclaimed to you from the mouth of Peter is real. Why do I believe it? Because it's transformed my own life, my own mind, my own life, my own family, my own parenting, my own friendships. It's transformed everything in my life. I was captive, I was addicted, I was hopeless, I was lost, I was enraged. I was enraged and addicted. And Jesus, by his amazing grace, has transformed this broken life. And I give testimony to you today that the blood of Jesus saves and transforms and redeems. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter five. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's me, that's my testimony. The old is gone and the new has come. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. We implore you, I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because of the gospel of Jesus, you are fully accepted. And because of the gospel of Jesus, you have peace. Because of the gospel of Jesus, you are healed. And because of the gospel of Jesus, you are forgiven. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is known as the too good to be true news, but it is true. This is the hope of the world and it's the hope for your life. I was called here by God. This little part of the world in this time that we are sharing on this earth Together, I, we, Lindsay and I, my, we were called to this town. We were called here by God. And he has commanded me 
God has commanded this broken, transformed, redeemed vessel, still in process, certainly still in process, to preach and to testify to every person here and even beyond this room, young and old, that Jesus is the one, Jesus of Nazareth is the one whom God has appointed as the Savior. And that every single person that believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. I'm here to tell you that the Father is not angry with you. Yes, I'm talking, I'm, if, you, if you're wondering, is he talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. The Father is not angry with you. And I'm here to invite the sons and the daughters of God to come home. The banner over you is love and grace is that amazing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time, this testimony from Peter to Cornelius and his family and to us and our family. Lord, I pray that the gospel falls fresh on us and moves us to a fresh place of wonder and joy and gratitude. And if anyone in this room has never come home, Lord, I invite them to come home. Jesus is your savior. And he loves you. And he has paid the price for you to have peace, to be forgiven, to be accepted. You are, we are healed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.